Okay, welcome everybody and we're into part six now of the gospel. As you know, last week we were in John 3 and we're going back into John 3. And we're looking at the much quoted verse, John 3.16, weren't we? And we saw the importance of not taking verses and quoting them yeah, out of the context which God has set them. And we're going to see that, how critical that is today again when we go back into the gospel of John. And we saw that John 3.16 was actually communicating what God wanted communicated, didn't we? Doing that enabled us to see who Jesus was talking about when he talked about John 3.16. Who he was referring to when he was referring to the world. Yeah, we saw that so clearly and I encourage you to go back and listen to that if you haven't. I want us to stay in John 3 this, this week because there are other verses in John 3, aren't there? That we need to understand in the same context. In the same context. Because last week we saw John 3.16. And remember we went to John 3.1. And right in between John 3.1 and John 3.16, guess what? There's 15 other verses yeah, that are going to help us and help to explain to us what John 3.16 is actually talking about. And also clear up another number of issues that we see misunderstood in this section. right? So this week we're going to pick up the conversation Jesus had with the teacher of Israel. The teacher of Israel. Now, if we thought there's a huge misunderstanding about John 3.16, yeah, just wait until we keep reading in chapter 3. If you thought we saw some light last week as to what Jesus Christ was talking about, just wait till we get through today. Because the subtitle today is Born from Above. Not again. Born from Above. Then it says, In the Resurrection. We're going to see that so clearly in the scriptures today when we read it in the whole context with what Jesus Christ was talking to the teacher of Israel about, right? So we'll be touching again, as to say, on John 3.16. But as we continue to understand Jesus' conversation with Nicodemus, we're going to start to see that it also clarifies some other great truths in the scripture, not just John 3.16. And in summary, we saw that Jesus in the context was referring to the redeemed of Israel, wasn't he? It was the redeemed of Israel he was talking about when he spoke about, quote, the world. His world, we saw, were the redeemed of Israel at that specific time of which he was speaking. Now, we have to listen up to this discourse Jesus had with who? The teacher of Israel. Are you getting that? This is the top dog. This is the guy who knew the Hebrew scriptures. There was virtually nothing anybody could come and tell this guy about in the Hebrew Scriptures, he was telling them all about it. This guy, Nicodemus, wasn't a neophyte. He wasn't new to the faith. He was brought up with it probably since he was a child in the Hebrew Scriptures. And I can guarantee you we're going to go to some sections in the Hebrew Scriptures today that this guy could have probably told you them verbatim. He could have just recited these verses, recited these truths that we're going to go and see in the Hebrew Scriptures today verbatim by memory. Because that's all he did. That's all he was consumed with were the Hebrew scriptures. And we've got to see that. In other words, this guy had committed his life to understanding the Hebrew scriptures. So when Jesus is talking to this guy and this conversation is going on, you know where this guy is coming from. (laughs) He's not new, as I said, to the faith. What Jesus was saying to him, he should have understood. And we're going to see that. So I want us all now to transport ourselves back in time to this meeting with Jesus and Nicodemus, right? And by the way, there's plenty of space in the room they're in. Yeah? Yeah. Did you notice that? It's not standing room only there. Yeah? Grab any chair you want, they're all empty. Except one. Yeah? And this is the conversation. So here's Jesus meeting, as I say, the teacher of Israel. And we saw last week what the subject was, didn't we? It was all about, guess who? Israel! Because you know why? Because Nicodemus isn't interested in anybody else. He's only interested in Israel. He's only interested in the redeemed. Now what we have started to see here in John is the essential importance of context, isn't it? It's the context that determines what the meaning is so often in the scriptures. And to whom these sections of scripture are talking about. It's essential we understand the context. Yeah? And we do that in life all of the time. But when it comes to the scripture, we so often don't do that. Because it substantiates something our church wants to believe or something that you've hung your hat on through your theological beliefs through the years. 
we pull it out of context. And we cannot do that. If we're going to come to the true meaning, did you hear that? The true meaning of what Jesus Christ is talking about in this section of John, we're going to have to leave it set in the context with which God Almighty, the creator of heaven and earth, set it. Who are you and I to pull it out of that context? But that's what is so often done in the theological systems of this world. It's pulled out of context. Now, here's a small quote from a theologian many years back, E.W. Bollinger. On the critical nature of the importance of context. But you know something? Before, before I even read this quote, that many people will listen to this sharing, and last week's sharing, yeah, and will go back and disregard what's been communicated in John chapter 3. Why is that? Because it doesn't agree with what they've already decided to believe, for the most part. Yeah? Despite what God's trying to communicate. It may not agree with their church theology. And I know for a fact it doesn't agree with the thousands of people, if not millions of people, out there today. That misunderstand this section of scripture that we're going into today. And guess what? Me sharing this ain't going to change that. It ain't going to change it for the many. Yeah? It will for a few. Because, you know, I've had not one comment from John 3.16 from last week. And I know there's a lot of people been listening to that because we, we, we distribute it on the internet. Not one comment agreeing with it or disagreeing with it. Isn't that incredible? What does that tell you? <laughs> it tells you a lot of what we're going to get into in the weeks to come about the assumptions people make in the scriptures. They assume they, there is no cost for misunderstanding the scripture. Yeah? And there's a huge cost, and we'll be seeing it over the weeks to come. So here's a quote on the critical nature of context by E.W. Bollinger. Guess what? 1916. <laughs> yeah. huh? 1916, this guy wrote this. Yeah? So I'm quoting him. The order of the words is as perfect as the truth revealed by them and contained in them. Go on to quote, This order is divine, and it is nothing less than a crime for any human being to subvert that order, either by ignoring it or by changing it. Did you hear that? By what? Ignoring it or changing it. Go on to quote. Beware of any teacher to whom the context is not manifestly essential. Beware of any teaching that is not based upon it. Yeah. Some passages of scripture derive their chief importance from some remarkable words employed. Others derive their chief importance from some wonderful truth revealed. While others derive their chief importance from the place where we find them. Listen up. Every passage has its own importance in this last respect. When we find a passage in its own particular place, there is a divine reason why it is there and also why it is not in any other place. He goes on to say, It is essential to understanding of the words to find out why they are where we find them. Yeah, yeah? We're going to see that today. He goes on, It is essential to our enjoyment of the words that we should discover not only what they mean, but why they are not in any other passage. If we would find the words and the word of God uh, to be a delight to us, instead of perplexing jumble, we must have special regard to the context. Listen up now to this last part that he talks here about. If this be disregarded, then a word, a sentence, or a verse may be taken out from its, its context and interpreted of something quite foreign to its original intent. How great must be the presumption if we disregard, did you hear that word? Disregard or disturb that context. Yet, this is constantly done in order to prop up some tradition. Yeah. Isn't that incredible? What a phenomenal description of the importance of context. And we're going to see it today. Yeah, And I want you to focus on the words that he mentioned there. Disregard. Because for the most part, the context what we're going to be reading about of John 3.16 and this being born from above is disregarded. It's disregarded. And often changed. Yeah. 
So today we're going to see how true that last sentence is. Yeah, That it's constantly done in order to prop up some tradition. And we're going to see here in John how the many have disregarded the context of this conversation with Nicodemus and interpreted it of something quite foreign to its original intent. That's what we're going to see. Just like we saw John 3.16 last week. And we'll see this so clearly. Now, as I say, is this going to change everybody's idea? (laughs) This is so saturated into Christendom today that you and I are not going to see a dramatic change in people's thoughts and thinking on this section of Scripture. They're propping up their traditions with the misunderstanding and the disregard of the context with which this is said. And we're going to see it so clearly that you'll wonder how you missed it. And I often wonder when I read it how I missed it. But I did. And guess what? I was teaching context for 30 odd years and yet I still missed it. Yeah. So the many will want to continue to misunderstand this section and they're going to keep teaching it in a way, as he said, quite foreign to its original intent to prop up their tradition. And we'll see so clearly what Jesus' intent was in discussing this with Nicodemus. It's so important that we understand this. So let's start in a slightly wider context, yeah, by going to John 2.13. John 2.13 is where we're going to start. So why are we doing that? (laughs) Because it's part of the context, isn't it? It's part of the context. We can't just start at John 3.16. We can't just start at any particular verse. We've got to read the scope. We've got to read and understand the context with which this conversation is going on. And we're going to start, as I say, in John 2.13. The Passover of the Jews. Is there a clue there? The Passover of the Jews. What's the context? The context is a Jewish feast, Jewish Passover. This is the context of which we're moving into John 3. Yeah, was at hand and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Where? In the temple. Remember we saw that last week. Who's he going to see in the temple? Who's he going to speak to in the temple? The redeemed Jews of Israel. Okay. Then we'll go to verse 18. So what I'm doing here is I'm going to pull out some specific words and specific phrases over the next few verses that communicate so loudly to us what the whole context as we move into this conversation with Nicodemus. So the Jews. <laughs> yeah. So the Jews said to him, What sign do you show us for doing these things? And Jesus answered them, Destroy this temple, and in three days I will raise it up. The Jews then said, It has taken us 46 years to build this temple, and you will raise it up in three days? Now he's talking about his body, isn't he? He's not talking about the physical building that he was standing outside, that he was pointing to. Yeah, He was talking about his body being raised in three days. And verse 21, But he was speaking about, about the temple of his body. When therefore he was raised from the dead, his disciples remembered what he had said, that he had said this, and they believed the scripture. What scripture? The only scripture they had, the Hebrew scriptures. And the word that Jesus had spoken. Now when he was in Jerusalem at the Passover feast, does that give us any clue as to what the context is where Jesus is, what he's doing, who he's talking to, who he's addressing? Yeah, absolutely. And remember this is coming up to... John 3, 1, yeah, when he gets into the conversation with Nicodemus. So when he was, now he was in Jerusalem at the Passover feast. Many believed in his name when they saw the signs that he was doing. So what was he doing? He was doing signs, miracles and wonders, yeah? And verse 24, But Jesus on his part did not entrust himself to them, because he knew all people, and needed no one to bear witness about man, for he himself knew of what was in man. Now, I think I've put it in your notes here, haven't I? Some of the significant words that we've got to kind of form in our thinking, form in our frame of mind in terms of the context that we've read up to now. And I'm going to rattle them off. Verse 13, the Jews. Verse 13 also talked about the temple. Verse 18 again talked about the Jews. Verse 19 again talked about this temple. And again it talked about, in three days will I raise it up. He's talking about the resurrection. Yeah? He's talking about his resurrection. Verse 20, the Jews. Again, verse 20, this temple. Are you getting the context? Verse 20 also said, raise it up in three days. Verse 21 again said, the temple. And verse 22 said he was, that he was raised from the dead. So are you starting to get a feel for the whole context that we're reading about as we move into... This chapter 3, his conversation with Nicodemus, yeah? 
that it's all about the Jews. It's all about the temple. And the temple, as he referred to, was his body being raised in, the res- in his resurrection. So are you got the context now? Yeah? Don't lose that. Just because chapter 3 starts with a big number 3, don't switch off. Because there is no chapter in the original. Yeah? Because the first word, and by the way, verse 23 talks about Jerusalem at the Passover feast. And, ver- and chapter 3, verse 1 that we're going to introduce now, talks about the Jews as well. Yeah? So we've got to understand that, that this context is shedding critical and essential light on for us as to what this conversation he's going to have with Nicodemus is all about. Because the context here is all about resurrection. It's about resurrection. That's the context. But not just resurrection. It's been addressed to who? The Jews. The Jews. Got to see that. So don't forget that we just went through as we move into chapter 3 verse 1. Because the first word is what? No! No! Now what? Now that we've read all that, now that we understand the context of which it's set in, now there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the who? The Jews. Boy, that should tell us so much. Tells us so much. We saw that last week as well. No! No! Is it in red? It's in red in your notes. Because I wanted to emphasize it. This is carrying on from what was already laid before us, yeah? Already told to us in the previous uh, verse, verse 23 of chapter 2, he said, Now when he was in Jerusalem at the Passover feast, many believed in his name. And when they saw the mighty signs that he was doing, see? Because we're going to see that was what depicted to Nicodemus that he was the Messiah. Were these signs that he was doing, yeah? But what else was he doing? He was talking about the resurrection. He was talking about his resurrection and the resurrection we're going to see he moves into here is the resurrection of the rest of the Jewish nation. So don't forget that as we continue going through here. So we're talking about redeemed Jews, aren't we? This is not talking about the whole Gentile world getting resurrected because that ain't going to happen. It ain't going to happen. We can't pull it out of the context and start depicting something else that it's talking about. We've got to keep it in that flow of context of chapter 2 right into chapter 3. Yeah. Now look how Nicodemus opens up this discourse. It gives us a clue where they've both been before they met up. Yeah. Chapter 2 says, sorry, chapter 3, verse 2. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God and no one can do these signs. What signs? The signs we just read about. Yeah. In chapter 2. That's the signs Nicodemus obviously had seen and he knew from these signs that this was the Messiah. He was the rabbi. So no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with them. And Jesus answered him, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, yeah, we're going to come back to that word, born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Now look at, let's look at this. First of all, born again is a wrong translation. This is the Greek word anathen. And it means from above. And here's your homework. Go and look at every other reference to that word anathen in the Gospels and see what it's talking about. Because the translators have translated anathen in reference to an adverb of time. Because again, it's a reference to an adverb of time. When you see how anathen is translated every other place, bar this place, we see it's an adverb of place. It's an adverb of place. So Jesus is not talking about time here. He is talking about place. And there's a clue in the last thing he said in verse 3. He cannot see the kingdom of God. What's the context? The context is seeing the kingdom. Yeah? So truly, truly, I say to you, who's the you? Nicodemus. Yeah? Nicodemus is the you in this context. And we have to keep it in this context. He's referring specifically to Nicodemus. And then he goes on to say, unless one is born again. And again, it's born from above, right? He cannot see the kingdom of God. And he said, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one, and that's an indefinite pronoun. 
So it's referring to an identifiable but not specific or not specified person. Yeah. So it has to be the redeemed, isn't it? Because in order to get into the kingdom, you have to be redeemed by God. And we're going to see what else has to happen. So how's this term born from above been used in this context? And I put a half a dozen key parts in your notes here. I think it's in your notes, isn't it? Maybe not. It will be by the end of the day. Yeah. yeah. So first one, it's been addressed to Nicodemus, isn't it? And the redeemed of Israel, the Jews. Secondly, it's mandatory, not optional. So this being born from above is not an optional thing. Jesus said it's absolutely essential. Yeah. Three, context states that definite cannot, doesn't it? It's, he said it cannot. You cannot see the kingdom of God unless this being born from above happens. So it's expressing no possibility of exception. So no one's entering the kingdom without this being born from above transpiring. Four, it's an adverb of place because it's referring to what? The coming kingdom. It's a future event. The coming kingdom, earthly kingdom of Jesus Christ hasn't turned up. Have you looked around recently? Yeah, It hasn't turned up. But it is turning up because it's an adverb of place and it's a future event. And verse 5, it is absolutely required in order to what? See the kingdom. And 6, last but not least, verse 6 shows water. We're going to see this in a minute because we aren't into verse 6 yet. But we're going to see water and spirit being required. When? We're going to see it. It's in the resurrection, right? So we're just analyzing here the context, yeah? Because we're, we're coming into a section here that we've got to understand within the context of which Jesus set it in. The immediate context, which is all the verses round about, and also the remoter context, which is the remoter context is the same subject being dealt with in another section of scripture. And we're going to see who, what section of scripture Jesus was referring to when he spoke about water and spirit and kingdom. Yeah, it's fantastic. You're going to see it so clearly. Because Jesus points us to it. <laughs> yeah? It ain't because you and I are so clever. Jesus points us to it, and he's pointing Nicodemus to it, and he's expecting Nicodemus to know this, and Nicodemus misunderstands it. Now, Nicodemus comes back to Jesus, but just watch how Nicodemus answers Jesus. This is so important for us to understand. How and what his perception is as he's talking to Jesus. It's so important that we understand this. And we'll see his focus of Nicodemus, the focus of Nicodemus is on time. It's on time. It's not on place. It's not on the future coming kingdom. He's talking about now. He's talking in his capsule of time as he's talking to Jesus in this room. Verse 4, Nicodemus said to him, How can a man be born when he is what? Old. What's he focusing on? Time. Can he enter a second... Oh, hold on. Time. Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? What's Nicodemus imagining? Crawling back into his mother's womb. But he's a man. He's a fully grown man and he's imagining, hold on a minute, I'm going to be born from a... You mean I'm going to have to crawl back into my mother's womb? Wow. How had Nicodemus received what Jesus had said to him? He interpreted it. He put it through his theological filter and he, he decided... Hey, hey this Jesus, he's talking about time here. And Jesus is not talking about time. And I think he was very clear in verse 3 when he said, see the kingdom of God. Yeah? We're going to see that that's a future event in the scriptures. So Nicodemus is not focused on place, is he? He's focused on time. While Jesus, on the other hand, was firmly fixed on the adverb of place. Jesus is in absolutely no doubt he's referring to the coming resurrection, into the coming kingdom. That's what Jesus was talking about. A future event. But Nicodemus is trying to pull it into the now. Nicodemus, on the other hand, was firmly focused on making it an adverb of time. And it's no different today. This is what so many of the church are doing today. They do not have the kingdom the future coming earthly kingdom of Jesus Christ firmly in focus when they refer to being born from above, which they refer to as being born again. They have it now. Doing exactly what Nicodemus did. 
pulling it into the now, pulling it into the present, pulling it into the present time and not place. It, this happens in place. Yeah, it doesn't happen today. Jesus is making that so clear to Nicodemus and he's just about to slap him around the head, tell him, what do you mean? You're the teacher of Israel and you don't understand this? You've been through the theological seminaries of Israel and you still don't understand this as being place. You're bringing it into today. You're bringing it into time. It's not today. <laughs> That's a little bit between the lines. So back to the context again. Jesus is talking to the teacher of Israel and now he's talking to the teacher of Israel about what? The coming kingdom. The coming kingdom. The coming earthly reign of Jesus Christ on earth is the subject. That is the context. And he's, Jesus is setting forth the mandatory requirements to enter and see this kingdom. It's to be born from above. In the resurrection, we're going to see it. In the resurrection, and we'll see it. It's when the resurrection turns up. Is that now? Do you feel resurrected? No. <laughs> well, you haven't died for a start. So you can't be resurrected till someone dies. So it's a future event. It's going to be a future event for Nicodemus. And it's going to be a future resurrection event for those of us who die before Jesus returns. Because you know you've got to be dead before you can be resurrected. Yeah. And Paul dealt with those who were going to be alive, because that was part of the mystery, that those who were alive and who belonged to Christ would be gathered into the clouds at the same time immediately those who were dead were resurrected of Daniel 12.2. Yeah? So always remember, to be resurrected you have to be dead. Yeah. Because remember Daniel 12.2. Daniel 12.2 only deals with some of the dead, doesn't it? It was later revealed to the Apostle Paul what would happen to the alive redeemed. Yeah, so Daniel didn't know. He could only speak as to the dead who were Christ's. And even later it was revealed what would happen to the rest of the dead in the book of Revelation, in Revelation 20 verse 5. Because they weren't dealt with in Daniel. But they were dealt with by John in the book of Revelation. And never forget, as Nicodemus and Jesus are having this discourse, they're not looking at the New Testament scriptures or the Greek scriptures. Why? Because they haven't even been written. So they can only look back. And that's what we're going to be doing today. Because Jesus is going to refer to, uh, Nicodemus to a section of scripture which is back. It's back in the Hebrew scriptures. So why do we call this the new birth? That's a good question, isn't it? There's absolutely nothing new about this. Jesus is talking to Nicodemus and he's saying, how come you don't know this? You're the teacher of Israel. You don't know about being born from above. What's wrong with you? Why? Why could he say that to Nicodemus? Because Nicodemus should have known it. He was an expert in the scriptures, the Hebrew scriptures. Guess where being born from above is? In the Hebrew scriptures, there's nothing new about it. So this reference to new birth is error. Yeah. It's either an error in translation or certainly an error in most people's understanding. And you realize that's where we are for the most part in the church today. We're teaching this error. And I'm not pointing fingers. I've taught this error for 30 odd years of my life. But once you start to see it, you've got to stop. And start teaching what the scriptures teach, not necessarily what you've been taught and what the majority do teach. Verse 5. Jesus answered, truly, truly. You know, he starts out that way each time he talks to Nicodemus. Truly, truly. Amen, amen. I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. Now, it's a capital S in my version, but it shouldn't be. Now, this verse is not teaching water baptism now is required. We're going to see that. Because the word of in that verse of water is a preposition and the word and is a conjunction. So this is a water spirit event. We're going to see it in a minute. We'll see the significance of water when we read in the remoter context in Ezekiel. That's where we're heading yeah, in Ezekiel in a minute. Where it's clearly referred to as cleansing. It's a cleansing. Water is used as a cleansing in the resurrection. Yeah, And we'll see that in a minute. So Jesus is referring here to the Hebrew Scriptures. We should immediately be asking, where have these words been used before? And remember what I said earlier, they have no other Scriptures to refer to, guys. Yeah? It has to be in the Hebrew Scriptures. 
we'll see exactly where they are. I gave you a clue earlier. It's in Ezekiel. Because <laughs> in the Hebrew Scriptures, that's the only place we're going to see that the remoter context of Ezekiel is the only place in the remoter context where these phrases, water, spirit, and kingdom, are used together. This is the only place, did you hear that? The only place Jesus could have been talking about where he expected Nicodemus to know about this being born from above. Now, isn't it interesting, verse 5, when you compare that to verse 3, Jesus is using the exact same terms. Why? Because he's still talking about the same exact future event. Yeah? He's still on the same subject. He hasn't changed the subject. And it's a future event. Yeah? The kingdom is a future event. And we're going to see that so clearly. Look at verse 6. That which is born of the flesh is flesh. That which is born of the spirit is spirit. Now look, the whole context is what? Resurrection into the kingdom. Not immediately. But that's what the church is teaching. It teaches now you get born again immediately. No, you don't. Now, am I saying you don't get spirit when you're redeemed? I'm not saying that. I'm not saying that. There is spirit involved. But it's not this event that Jesus is talking about. Do you understand? So there is spirit, but it's not been born from above. Jesus is putting this into the context. Did you hear that? Into the context of the resurrection of Israel in the future kingdom. In the future kingdom. Verse 7. Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born from above. The wind blows where it wishes and you hear its sound, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. Nicodemus said to him, How can these things be? Does that give you a clue that Nicodemus was missing it? How can these things be? Jesus answered him, Listen up now. Are you the teacher of Israel? Now listen, are you the teacher of Israel? Did you hear? Did you see? Did you see the the there? Are you the teacher of Israel and yet you don't understand these things? How could he say that to Nicodemus? Because the Hebrew scriptures crying out to him that there's going to be a birth, a birth from above in the resurrection. And he expected Nicodemus to understand it. Now the only thing Nicodemus could have got confused with was the term born from above. Because it was never used before in relation to the resurrection of Israel. But he should have known this. Why do we know that? Because Jesus is telling them, you're the teacher of Israel and you don't understand this. And the reason (laughs) Jesus could say that And we're going to go into Ezekiel 36 and 37 and we're going to read some sections there of what Jesus was expecting Nicodemus to figure out. And believe me, I really believe in my heart that Nicodemus probably knew these sections that we're going to go to today by memory. He could recite them verbatim. Guarantee you. Almost. (laughs) Look at verse uh, 11. Truly, truly, I say to you, we speak of what we know. Now, this is really interesting. Truly, truly, I say to you, we speak of what we know and bear witness to what we have seen, but you do not receive our testimony. I think I highlighted this in your notes. If I have told you earthly things and you do not believe, how can you believe if I tell you heavenly things? Now, hold on a minute. Jesus says to Nicodemus here, if I told you earthly things, what did Jesus tell him? That should be, we should be asking that question. Yeah? Jesus told him about the resurrection. So let me ask you a question, rhetorical. Is a resurrection a heavenly thing or an earthly thing? Well, according to the Son of God, now I'll back him, by the way, it's an earthly thing. Why is it an earthly thing? We're going to see it. The graves get opened up on the earth and the dead are brought to life. That's an earthly thing. And Jesus expected Nicodemus to know that. Verse 13. No one, oh hold on, watch this now. No one has ascended into heaven except he who descended from heaven, the Son of Man. 
We'll come back to that. <laughs> Verse 14. And as Moses lifted up the servant of the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whosoever believes in him may have eternal life. When? In the resurrection. What's the context? The context is all about the resurrection. And there's a clue in verse 13. You, you didn't think I was going to skip over that verse, did you? Verse 13. Where are the dead not? Heaven. They're not in heaven. Why? Because if they were in heaven, there would be nothing to open up the graves for. They are in asleep. They are back to dust, just like the scriptures, throughout the scriptures tell us that's exactly where they are. They're not in heaven. But look at the context where that verse is. <laughs> Isn't that interesting? That verse 13 is in the context of the resurrection of Israel and those dead being made alive. And he's telling them, hey, Nicodemus, nobody in heaven, you need to wait for the resurrection. Huge clue there for us. So let's go and see what scripture Jesus was referring to. And the scriptures that, by the way, he expected Nicodemus to know, didn't he? He expected Nicodemus to know this. So this being born from above was something Jesus expected Nicodemus to know. And we have to be so clear on that. How could he expect him to know it? Well, he didn't expect him to know it by osmosis. He expected him to know it because he was an expert. He was the teacher of Israel in the Hebrew Scriptures. Now, just as an aside here, do you realize that what we're dealing with here is actually the milk of the Word? This is, this is milk. This is milk. If you read Hebrews 6 and you see God's classification of milk, not talking about skimmed, 2%, full, feet, full fat, yeah? talking about the milk of the Word, Hebrews 6 includes what we're dealing with today. It deals, it tells us, it specifies there that resurrection is milk of the word. So do you see what people are feeding on today for the most part? They're not even on the milk. They're not even on the milk of the scripture. So, when Jesus confronts Nicodemus, again, he's the, the teacher of Israel, he's effectively saying to Nicodemus, Hold on, Nicodemus. This is the milk. Yeah, This is the basic stuff. This is the basic milk, Nicodemus. And you don't know it. And guys, that should speak so loudly. We have got to understand this. This is milk. This is not meat of the scripture. And for so many people listening to this right now, they're choking on it. They're chewing through the steak because they think it's steak and it isn't. It's basic milk of the scripture, according to Hebrews 6. So we better come to an understanding of it. Because it must be so important to understand. When Jesus spends his only meeting that we know of, depicted in scripture, his only meeting with the teacher of Israel, guess what he, the first thing he gets into? Being born from above in the resurrection. So let's go and see the section Jesus was talking about. Now, how would we do that? Because we've got the whole of the Hebrew scriptures, don't we? Books and pages and thousands of verses to go and look through. Yeah, It could take us a while, couldn't it, to find that. But we've got to look at what were the subjects Jesus focused on. Water, spirit, kingdom. Water, spirit, new covenant. These are our clues of what and where to look in the Hebrew scriptures. And like I said earlier, there's only one place. We've narrowed it down. Yeah. And you can take your computer programs and uh, interlinears and concordances and, and start to look it up if you want. You'll end up in Ezekiel 36 and 37 because it is the only place. Save you a bit of time. So let's go and see what Jesus was referring to when he was talking to Nicodemus. Now, I'm going to play a recording of Ezekiel 36 because I'm losing my voice here. <laughs> But Ezekiel 36, I want you to listen up, follow along in your notes, and I also want you to look at the highlighted sections of these notes. Now this is in the NIV, most of you probably are in the ESV, or maybe some other versions, but it's good to get a cross kind of section on it as to how it's been translated. Okay, so here we go. Therefore, 
Say to the house of Israel, This is what the sovereign Lord says. It is not for your sake, O house of Israel, that I am going to do these things, but for the sake of my holy name, which you have profaned among the nations where you have gone. I will show the holiness of my great name, which has been profaned among the nations, the name you have profaned among them. Then the nations will know that I am the Lord, declares the Sovereign Lord, when I show myself holy to you before their eyes. For I will take you out of the nations. I will gather you from all the countries and bring you back into your own land. I will sprinkle clean water on you and you will be clean. I will cleanse you from all your impurities and from all your idols. I will give you and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. You will live in the land I gave your forefathers. You will be my people and I will be your God. I will save you from all your uncleanness. I will call for the grain and make it plentiful and will not bring famine upon you. I will increase the fruit of the trees and the crops of the field so that you will no longer suffer disgrace among the nations because of famine. Then you will remember your evil ways and wicked deeds and you will loathe yourselves for your sins and detestable practices. I want you to know that I am not doing this for your sake declares the Sovereign Lord. Be ashamed and disgraced for your conduct, O house of Israel. This is what the Sovereign Lord says. On the day I cleanse you from all your sins, I will resettle your towns, and the ruins will be rebuilt. The desolate land will be cultivated instead of lying desolate in the sight of all who pass through it. They will say, this land that was laid waste has become like the Garden of Eden. The cities that were lying in ruins, desolate and destroyed, are now fortified and inhabited. Then the nations around you that remain will know that I, the Lord, have rebuilt what was destroyed and have replanted what was desolate. I, the Lord, have spoken and I will do it. This is what the Sovereign Lord says. Once again I will yield to the plea of the house of Israel and do this for them. I will make their people as numerous as sheep, as numerous as the flocks for offerings at Jerusalem during her appointed feasts. So will the ruined cities be filled with flocks of people. Then they will know that I am the Lord. Chapter 37 The hand of the Lord was upon me, and he brought me out by the Spirit of the Lord and set me in the middle of a valley. It was full of bones. He led me back and forth among them, and I saw a great many bones on the floor of the valley, bones that were very dry. He asked me, Son of man, can these bones live? I said, O sovereign Lord, you alone know. Then he said to me, Prophesy to these bones, and say to them, Dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. This is what the Sovereign Lord says to these bones. I will make breath enter you, and you will come to life. I will attach tendons to you, and make flesh come upon you, and cover you with skin. I will put breath in you, and you will come to life then you will know that I am the Lord. So I prophesied as I was commanded. And as I was prophesying, there was a noise, a rattling sound, and the bones came together, bone to bone. I looked, and tendons and flesh appeared on them, and skin covered them, but there was no breath in them. Then he said to me, Prophesy to the breath. Prophesy, son of man, 
and say to it, This is what the Sovereign Lord says. Come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe into these slain that they may live. So I prophesied as he commanded me, and breath entered them. They came to life and stood up on their feet, a vast army. Then he said to me, Son of man, these bones are the whole house of Israel. They say, Our bones are dried up and our hope is gone. We are cut off. Therefore prophesy and say to them, This is what the Sovereign Lord says. O my people, I am going to open your graves and bring you up from them. I will bring you back to the land of Israel. Then you, my people, will know that I am the Lord when I open your graves and bring you up from them. I will put my spirit in you and you will live, and I will set you in your own land. Then you will know that I, the Lord, have spoken, and I have done it, declares the Lord. The word of the Lord came to me. Son of man, take a stick of wood and write on it, belonging to Judah and the Israelites associated with him. Then take another stick of wood and write on it, Ephraim's stick, belonging to Joseph and all the house of Israel associated with him. Join them together into one stick, so that they will become one in your hand. When your countrymen ask you, Won't you tell us what you mean by this? Say to them, This is what the Sovereign Lord says. I am going to take the stick of Joseph, which is in Ephraim's hand, and of the Israelite tribes associated with him, and join it to Judah's stick, making them a single stick of wood, and they will become one in my hand. Hold before their eyes the sticks you have written on, and say to them, This is what the Sovereign Lord says. I will take the Israelites out of the nations where they are gone. I will gather them from all around and bring them back into their own land. I will make them one nation in the land, on the mountains of Israel. There will be one king over all of them, and they will never again be two nations or be divided into two kingdoms. They will no longer defile themselves with their idols and vile images or with any of their offenses, for I will save them from all their sinful backsliding, and I will cleanse them. They will be my people, and I will be their God. My servant David will be king over them, and they will all have one shepherd. They will follow my laws and be careful to keep my decrees. They will live in the land I gave to my servant Jacob, the land where your fathers lived. They and their children and their children's children will live there forever, and David, my servant, will be their prince forever. I will make a covenant of peace with them. It will be an everlasting covenant. I will establish them and increase their numbers, and I will put my sanctuary among them forever. My dwelling place will be with them. I will be their God, and they will be my people. Then the nations will know that I, the Lord, make Israel holy, when my sanctuary is among them forever. So don't you wish you had a voice like that guy? Huh? Don't you wish you had a voice like that? <laughs> so that's the context, yeah, with which Jesus was pointing Nicodemus to. It was Ezekiel 36 and 37. The resurrection of Israel is what he was specifically speaking about. So John 3 is all about the resurrection of Israel. And this being born from above happens in this future resurrection, which again is a future event. For all of us, it's not now. But as I said earlier, we do have spirit, but it's not the spirit as depicted by Jesus in John 3. So any, any other scriptures we have in reference to this being born from above in the scriptures following on from this have got to fit in with what Jesus said. That is so key for us. And we'll go possibly next week to a couple of difficult verses that have been translated wrongly 
and have got to be understood in light of the resurrection as well. So, as I say, we do have spirit today, but this has not been born from above that Jesus Christ was talking to Nicodemus about, right? So, in light of what we covered today, what do you now think of John 3.16 is talking about? Yeah? It clarifies for us exactly what John 3.16 was talking about. It's about the redeemed of Israel being resurrected, and we cannot take it out of that context. But most of us do, and as as I quoted earlier from that uh, E.W. Bollinger, what did he say? Yet this is constantly done in order to prop up some tradition. And we've got to start going back to what the scriptures say, not necessarily what we've been taught. So next week, we're going to be looking at what Jesus was talking about when he spoke about the narrow gate. Do you remember that? When he spoke about striving to enter into that narrow gate. Because a really important subject for all of us to understand, particularly for for the redeemed, and that's the only ones you God expects to understand it. Why is that? Because it's clear that Jesus refuses entry into this coming earthly kingdom to any of the redeemed to try and enter in any other way. And we're going to see it next week. There's a whole pile of people going to be trying to enter in another way, other than striving through the narrow gate. And that's going to be so fascinating for us to see Jesus' perspective on this because it's not what the many teach, is it? It's not what the many teach. And we're starting to get used to that now, aren't we? So what Jesus taught so often does not line up with what the many are teaching. And we better get back to him and what's declared in the scriptures if we're going to be striving through that narrow gate. So Heavenly Father, we thank you for the greatness of your word today. We thank you, Father, for the great understanding of your scriptures and that we can come back to it, Father, with meek and humble hearts and that we can change according to the truth of that scripture. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen.